Welcome to the Monroe Church of Christ podcast. I'm Derek Glover, preacher of the Monroe Church of Christ in Monroe, Wisconsin, and I want to thank you for joining us. I hope that you'll subscribe to our podcast, leave a comment or a review on iTunes, and share it with a friend, family member, co-worker, or someone that you think would be interested to know more about our Savior, Jesus Christ. We've been doing a study of the Sermon on the Mount. We're nearing the end, but, uh, but as we near the end, boy, there's some real gems there to consider. Some things that are, uh, are great uh, directional points for our life that Jesus shares with us. And in all of this study, we've tried to keep the theme constant that Jesus is inviting us to take part in righteousness. A true relationship with God, a righteous life, was something that was difficult to attain for people in Jesus' time because it was governed and it was regulated by the powers of man. Uh, Religious people, faithful people, perhaps even zealous believers, but misguided and misunderstanding of God's law. And so there were many who were blocked out. There were many who were told they weren't good enough and could never be good enough. And when Jesus came declaring his gospel, his good news, it was that there is a place in the kingdom for everyone. If you will accept him, the son, if you will accept the grace of God, and if you will live a life accordingly. And that's what is so often described in this Sermon on the Mount, is a way to live that is not merit-based, but is, in fact, in response to how God loves us. Last week, we talked about the idea of asking and seeking and knocking and how sometimes that can be very challenging for us. uh, And sometimes we have to step out of this very picture-perfect relationship that we envision ourselves having and know that sometimes it's fraught with struggle and with challenges and, and with some ugliness. But he says then in chapter 7 and verse 12 of the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus does. He says, Therefore, whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Now, this sounds very similar. Uh, when, when he says, uh, in response to the question, what is the greatest commandment? And he says, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And he says, all the law and the prophet hang on these two commandments. This is also a a similar idea he's conveying, that everything about the old law, everything about the way in which the Jewish people were to live, had its basis in one fundamental principle, that you treat one another with as much interest as you have for yourself. Uh, A a lot of philosophy uh, over the last several hundred years has been to try and decide if self-interest is a good thing or a bad thing. It is the driver of decision-making. It is the driver of politics and economies. Uh, It has a lot to do with the world around us, people acting in self-interest. And I won't solve that problem today. I'm not sure I have enough letters after my name to solve it. But I do believe that there's some natural inclinations we have towards self-preservation and self-interest. Whenever uh, there's a loud noise, we flinch, right? Uh, Have you ever... (laughs) seen someone in a movie or something that a building is falling over, a tree is falling over, and they do this. Like, that's going to save you. But it's a natural response. We put our hands up. 
and we try to protect ourselves in certain ways. We scream, we gasp, we, we run. Our bodies are built and hardwired to take care of ourselves. And they're built and hardwired in ways that we have to manage sometimes because there's things we desire and we want that are not good for us in the long run. I love eating. It's one of my favorite things. But it's something I have to be careful about because, and clearly not too careful, but I try to be a little bit careful because it, there's things that aren't good for me. And if I just go to town nonstop, uh, that's not what I need. I love catfish. I know you people up here, up north, and I've been a part of you for four years now, but there's this one little part of me that's still, guys with the fish. You don't know what you're missing with good catfish, okay? Now, I, I know you like all the things that you catch up here, but, but man, when I go back down to visit family in Arkansas, that's the first thing I find is some catfish to eat, okay? And, and I would eat fried catfish all day, every meal, year-round if I could, but it wouldn't be a balanced diet. It wouldn't give me a healthy lifestyle. It wouldn't make me everything I could be physically, even though in my self-interest, I want it and I love it and I desire it. We have to manage self-interest, certainly. We have to manage the, the, the way we care for ourselves and the things we want. But there is a fundamental truth that we're good at taking care of ourselves. We're good at looking after our interests. We're good at, at, at seeking out what we want. What we struggle with is seeking out what others want. We struggle with listening and hearing other people. We struggle with meeting the needs of others above our own. And Jesus puts it like this. Instead of thinking of other people as an obligation whose needs you have to meet, think of other people as though it is yourself and serve them in the way you would want to be served. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. We call it the golden rule. But it's a very simple principle that Jesus says is at the heart of all of the law of Moses. Now, that seems strange because it would seem very hard to find that philosophical idea at the heart of some of the things that the teachers of the law of Jesus' time were teaching. They had lost sight of the idea that the heart of the law is taking care of other people, looking after one another. But what was the purpose of the law in the first place? The purpose of the law, as God handed it down to Moses, was to give a standard of living to all of his people and to give them some rules for how they could take care of one another, how they could look after one another. All the things about not working on the Sabbath and, all, and, and the rules about how far you could travel and what you did if someone's donkey went into a ditch and what you did with a water pitcher that became unclean, all of those rules at their heart, in their origin, were about keeping a nation of people safe, productive, and healthy. If you read all of the law, that's what, and, and, and honoring God. But beyond simply honoring God by our actions, it was keeping everyone safe and productive and healthy. And somewhere along the way, that got twisted and that got confused, and it became other things. And Jesus wants to remind the people listening and remind us that the heart of everything God wishes for his people is that we will care for one another the same way we would care for ourselves. It doesn't say care for one another in spite of yourself. It doesn't say care for one another to your own detriment. It says care for one another the way you will want them to care for you. Simple. It's not either or. It's both and. 
We take care of each other the same way we take care of ourselves. And Jesus says all of this following a very important word that you'll find the, the basis for the word uh, in the Greek is there, but in translations you'll see different words like so or for or therefore or because of this. But he, he says this, he gives us this principle after saying therefore. And what have we just talked about? We just talked about asking and seeking and knocking, and he used the analogy that you people are good people, you know, but you're, you're human, and yet none of you would be cruel enough as to give your son a snake if he asked for a fish. In other words, you give to those who ask in a loving way. So how much more is God going to take care of you when you ask things of him? That's the analogy he uses in the earlier part of chapter 7 that we read last week. And then he says, because of that, because of that principle, here's how I want you to live. Because God is gracious, because he has bestowed blessings upon you, and because he is going to give you what you need and give you what you are seeking, therefore, it is up to you to reflect the love of God to those around you by treating them the way you wish to be treated. Express the same natural uh, instinct and interest that you have for yourself in how you treat others. And we call this the golden rule. And that's a nice little name for something that really is just the foundational principle of how God works. That's how God works. Because God has been good to us. Because he has given us everything we looked for and asked for and sought. And ultimately, as we closed with last week, he's given it to us in the form of Christ. Because what is the one thing that our hearts have cried out for for eternity? It is for a way to be with God. And God gave us that in Christ. And therefore, we must live as giving, generous, kind, and loving people. Now, that's not how the world teaches us to live. It's not. It's, now, now I, there are times and places in society where we see kindness expressed. We don't live in a dystopian, cruel uh, existence, not yet at least. But at different times throughout history, we see kindness appearing when mankind needs it. In certain places in the world, in certain times, they're better than others. But the main course of history, the, the vast majority of of the history of this world is pretty dark in terms of how people treat one another. And so despite the fact that there is kindness in the world, I mean, we, Christians don't have a monopoly on kindness or on love, but it is kind of our thing. And it's the thing we're called to do even when the world is not. And that's the difference. The world will ebb and flow. It will change. It will evolve in how we treat one another, but we as Christians are to remain steadfast. And here's why. As Jesus explains at beginning in chapter 7, verse 13, Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. This concept has maybe become... Uh, a little bit familiar, maybe too familiar to us as Christians, because 
We think in terms of like the Robert Frost poem and the, and the road less traveled, right? Two vo- roads diverge, and as you read that, in the end, he chooses the one less traveled. And as he says, that has made all the difference. This idea, this almost romanticized idea of taking the path that is less traveled and the blessings that it has to offer sometimes loses sight of why that is the case. Jesus is not reminding us in some romantic way that we should take the road less traveled because it's it's more beautiful or more fun or more enjoyable. He is warning us. He is warning us that the road less traveled is less traveled because those who put their faith in God, those who cling to him for salvation and for guidance are destined to be in the minority in this world forever. We are always going to be in the minority. And that's a warning that Jesus is giving. He says, look, God is going to, you guys take care of one another. God, imagine how much more God's going to take care of you. And if he takes care of you so well, then you should take care of one another also in response to his grace and his love. And here is the final point on this passage, these passages we've been studying. If you choose that, if you choose that path of caring for one another and loving one another as you would love yourself or as you want others to love you, you are choosing a road that goes contrary to the greater story of mankind. You are choosing a path that is vastly in the minority of the choices that human beings make. If you choose to be a Christian, you are choosing something more difficult. It's not just that we're in the minority. You know, he says few will find it. And it's a narrow road, but he says it's a hard way. It's a hard way. And the other road is wide, and it's easy, and it's level, and it's a big gate, and a lot of people find their way through there. Jesus is giving us a warning That if you choose me, he says, if you choose my way, you are not taking the easy choice. Now, I believe there are a lot of blessings to living a Christian life. I believe there's a lot of things that we benefit from being children of God. In fact, I have, when when I talk to friends of mine who are not believers, or when I speak to groups that are not Christian, maybe even atheist or agnostic, one of the things I say is, you know, there's a certain aspect of what I believe that is faith. I believe I have evidence. I believe I have reason for believing in God. But at a certain point, I just have faith. And some people can't accept that, and that's fine. Because I can't stand here and tell you definitively that I have all the answers about the existence of God. But here's what I can say. If I get to the end of my life, and turns out there's no God and there's nothing after this, just a void, what have I lost by following the teachings of Jesus Christ? What have I lost? I've lived a life that places value on others above myself. I have chosen to love my neighbor as myself. I have chosen to live at peace with the world around me. I have chosen to treat others the way I would like to be treated. And I've chosen to answer to a higher power and to live according to a code of ethics and laws 
and morality that benefits those around me as much as it does myself. If at the end of my life that turns out to not be true, that there is no God, I still have lived a good life. So some of the things that Jesus teaches us are good advice just for living as human beings on this planet. And yet so few people will find it because so few will believe. And so few will be willing to walk that path and so few will be willing to accept. Despite all of those blessings that I believe come from being a child of God, this is still a hard life to choose. We talk about those blessings a lot. We talk about them as the, as the wonderful things that we receive in this life for following the law of Christ. And we know the greatest blessing is an eternal home with God in the next life. But there's some blessings in this life. And yet, we cannot deny that choosing the path of Jesus is asking for trouble in this world. Asking for trouble in this life. It is not an easy existence to be a Christian. And Jesus is warning. He would, he would warn his people in other times and his disciples, <coughs> excuse me, and his disciples about what they were taking on when they chose to follow him. And we have to take those warnings seriously. The narrow gate is narrow for a reason because very few people go that way. The narrow road is narrow for a reason because it's hard. It's a hard way, a hard path to travel. And everything about human instinct tells us to take the path of least resistance. And that might be wise words if you're hiking through the deer woods, but it's not how we live our life spiritually. We accept, when we accept Christ, we accept the fact that we are going to travel a difficult path and we will live in the minority for our whole lives. It doesn't feel that way all the time, though. You know, it's funny. We talk about the narrow road that few will find. And yet we're here together today, and this is probably when we feel our strongest. And in all the conversations and debates about, you know, whether to have church in person or whether not to and when is the right time and all that, we can figure all that out. But the one thing that I have not stopped being convinced of is that there is an important and, in fact, essential component to Christian living, and that is the, the Christians coming together on a regular basis to fellowship. We can do all the virtual church and all the virtual learning and all the social distancing, and I'm fine with whatever we need to do to get through this challenging time, but the one principle I will cling to and fight for is that on some level, we need to be physically in each other's presence on a regular basis because we never feel stronger than when we're together with one another. We never feel stronger than this time spiritually. Why? Because for one moment in our life, we're in the majority right now. When we're in this room, for the one moment out of our week, we are in the majority. We are sitting and talking and sharing with like-minded people of the same faith and we feel a sense of relief because we don't have to fight. We don't have to battle. And we don't have to struggle. And it, and it re-energizes us and it refreshes us to step out into the world and face the onslaught of temptation 
of negativity, of fighting, of stress. All those things the world throws at us that wears us down, that reminds us that we have chosen the minority path. All of that is made easier to bear when we share time together and remember for one moment that we're not alone. As we come near to the end, and we have a, a couple, three weeks to go on this uh, Sermon on the Mount, but as we come near to the end of this study, remember that this is the foundation of everything Jesus is teaching. And it's the foundation of everything God has ever shared with his people. But Jesus is bringing it into clarity and fulfillment through what will be his death, his sacrifice. But he is bringing about a fulfillment of this law and a new understanding of this law and an open door, an invitation for all of us to partake in it. Those who would not have been deemed worthy under the old law are now suddenly able. Why? Because God is the giver of good things. He is the answer to prayer. He is the thing that we seek and ask for and it's manifest in Christ Jesus. And when we accept him, we are ushered into eternal life. Because of this, Jesus says, that should impact how you treat people. That should impact how you live and how you look at one another. And never forget, never forget that we're supposed to be different. We're supposed to be different. And when, when we try to justify our actions sometimes. Sometimes, look, we don't always treat people well. I mean, I can think of four or five instances in the last week alone where I have treated someone not the way I should have. Where I've talked to someone, uh, some of them in my own household, but I have said or done things that I wish I could take back because that wasn't how I should have handled it. And sometimes it's easy to say, well, you know, everybody else acts that way. You know, the car in front of me was rude to the lady at the drive-thru, too. What difference does it make if I do it? It makes a big difference. Because when I accepted Jesus Christ in baptism, I made a commitment to live in response to that sacrifice. And not to let that death be a waste on me. And so I decided I would live different. I committed to walking a narrow, hard path entering through a narrow gate that very few find. And so the, the hundred people in front of me could have been mean to the lady at the drive-thru. It's up to me to be different. Not because I'm better than they are. Not because I'm just a nicer guy than they are. But because Jesus Christ died for me. I accepted it. I proclaimed it. And I promised I would live different. That is the narrow road that we walk. And it's a hard road. But it's the one we're called to. And at the end of it waits a life of peace and of glory in heaven with our Father and with one another. Let's take advantage of this time we have together to recharge, to feel stronger, to feel together and not alone. So that we can tackle this world in the coming week. So we can walk into this community and into all the relationships that we have outside of, of this place. And share through words and through example the wonderful blessing of Jesus Christ. If you have a need this morning, 
We want to give an opportunity to you to make that known if you'd like to do so publicly. If you want to accept Jesus Christ and be baptized into him and rise to walk in newness of life, that opportunity is available to you as well. Whatever you need, let us know as we stand and while we sing together. Thank you for joining us for the Monroe Church of Christ podcast. We hope that you have found today's message to be uplifting, inspirational, and encouraging. Most of all, we hope that it helps you along your spiritual journey. If you have any questions or comments or would like to drop us a line, you can do so at monroewicoc at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you, and we look forward to you joining us next week.